This episode is brought to you by March of Dimes, the leader in the fight for health for all moms and babies. March of Dimes observed National Birth Defects Prevention Month in January, and March 3rd is World Birth Defects Day. But the sad truth is, birth defects happen year-round. Every year, the March of Dimes partners with the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to generate actions women, their families, and care providers can take to prevent birth defects, which affects about 120,000 of the 4 million babies born in the U.S. every year and are a major cause of infant death and lifelong disability. Those are scary numbers, I know. But the good news is there are lots of things we can do to increase a woman's chances of having a healthy full-term pregnancy and baby. The theme for 2020's Birth Defect Prevention Month is Best for You, Best for Baby. And you can follow and share hashtag best number for you, best number for baby on social media platforms. What I love about this campaign is that their message aligns completely with what we talk about here on the podcast, right? So go on over to marchofdimes.org slash PP and P, find best for you, best for baby, and look up their five easy tips any woman can take to increase her chances of having a healthy pregnancy and baby. Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you're listening to Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics, the podcast where we talk about all of that and then some. I am the author of Common Sense Pregnancy, which is where this conversation started several years back. I'm also the author of a couple of other books and the one I really want to make sure you get a copy of is Mom's Side of the Story. Head on over to jeanfaulkner.com and pick up a copy and start writing yourself into your child's life story. So a lot is going on in the world this week, and an issue that really caught my eye is an interview clip that's going around between, um, it's about uh, news commentator Chris Matthews and Elizabeth Warren, and they're talking about whether or not Mayor Bloomberg lied about a case he's implicated in, in a pregnancy discrimination case um, against a, the the... The discrimination case is um, involving a, a female employee of Bloomberg's. Bloomberg says the discrimination um, <clears throat> didn't happen. And in this case, uh, the woman says that she was told to get an abortion when she became pregnant uh, under his employment. Uh, so Bloomberg says it didn't happen. And the woman says it did. Now, Chris Matthews was incredulous that a man, or at least a man like Bloomberg, would lie about a topic like that. And Elizabeth Warren was incredulous that, once again, the man's word was taken as truthful, whereas the female employee, the woman, was not. Matthews asks, so why would he lie about something like that? Just to protect himself? And Warren answered, yes, why would she lie? She talked about how pregnancy discrimination was personal for her, as it is to many of us, and it's been against the law in the United States since 1978, um, but still, 
I bet many of us have experienced some level of professional consequence as a result of being pregnant or becoming a parent. Things haven't changed that much. And that clip really resonated with me. And if you have a chance, go watch it. It's a classic case of he said, she said, and I'm really grateful for to Elizabeth Warren for calling it out. Um, if I haven't mentioned it before, she's getting my vote in the primary elections. And I'm donating to her campaign because I really like what she stands up for, how thoughtful her plans and policies are, and that she seems willing and able to kick butts when people are speaking rubbish. And I love that. Um, It's primary season. And uh, if you get the opportunity, if it's coming up in your state pretty soon, Super Tuesday's coming right up, make sure that you vote. It's more important than at any other time in American history. This vote matters the most. Okay, excuse me. That's all the politics I'll rant about today. We have another special guest this week, and today we're going to talk with Dr. Lisa Waddell, who is March of Dimes Senior Vice President and Maternal Child Health Impact Deputy Medical Officer. Now, that's a job description I love. We've been talking a lot lately about preventable birth complications, and you might notice I'm hesitant to say the word birth defect. I think it implies that if something's different about a baby, then it's the birth's fault or the baby is defective. And I'm not crazy about either of those concepts. It's extremely difficult when a baby is born with a body that is challenged with a disease or condition or extreme premature prematurity, but that baby is not defective. They have health complications, maybe developmental challenges, behavioral or cognitive issues, or what have you. But the baby itself, perfect, just like every baby is. We have come a long way in terms of destigmatizing children who are born with differences, whether those are health differences, neural or cognitive differences, learning differences, gender or sexuality differences. We've we've come a long way, but we have a long way to go. And maybe we can open our minds and hearts to become more accepting and um, normalizing children who have previously been said to be born with birth defects. There just have to be nicer terms. So maybe we'll talk about that some with Dr. Waddell. Excuse my scratchy voice this morning. It's allergy season. Um, But before we get Dr. Waddell on the line, let's take a real quick break and then come right back for a good long conversation. March of Dimes has a powerful new campaign, Best for You, Best for Baby, which started in January, Birth Defects Prevention Month, and goes all the way to March 3rd, which is World Birth Defects Day. You'll find all kinds of information about their campaign on social media at hashtag best number four you best for baby and find out five simple ways any woman can increase her odds for having a healthy pregnancy and baby. About one out of every 33 babies is born with a birth defect, which can be life-altering and even life-threatening. Yeah, those are scary numbers, but there are so many things women and their families can do to prevent becoming a statistic. Check out Best For You, Best For Baby on social media. 
Go on over to marchofdimes.org slash pp and p and be sure to give a listen to two special episodes on February 22nd and February 29th where we talk all about it. Okay, we're back and ready to talk with this week's guest. Dr. Lisa Waddell is March of Dimes Senior Vice President and Maternal Child Health Impact Officer. Let's get her on the line. Hi, Dr. Waddell. It's Jeannie. How are you? I'm doing great, Jeannie. It's really nice to join you today. Yeah, I'm glad you could be with us. I appreciate it. So where are you? Where in the country are you? So I'm actually located in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Ah, that's a state that's been in the news this week because of, uh, you know, all of the the uh, primary elections. Yeah. Sure. It certainly certainly has. It certainly yeah. has. But yeah. uh, our actual headquarters for um, the March of Dimes is located in uh, Crystal City, Virginia, right uh, uh, outside of D.C. So just in the heart of where all of the important uh, healthcare uh, discussions uh, occur at the national level. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, I bet you and I could talk quite a bit about that. Um, I also am really, really involved with advocacy and um, have been to Crystal Crystal City many times. Yeah. Yes. And this particular week, there's a lot going on in the healthcare world with the coronavirus. And um, again, conversation for another day. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I read a little bit of your bio right before we got you on the line today. But my first question for every guest is, who are you and what do you do? Well, great. So uh, I'm Lisa Waddell, and my job title is uh, the Senior Vice President for Maternal and Child Health Impact and Deputy Medical and Health Officer with the March of Dimes at our national headquarters. But what I do really is I really work every day to help lead the fight for healthy moms and strong babies. So I work to support uh, our program staff across the country, uh, help in terms of our uh, advocacy uh, uh, team, um, uh, help to put out important messages about what's contributing to uh, the health outcomes of moms and babies uh, across this country and uh, and try to contribute to uh, solutions to make that better. That's a pretty good job description. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you found yourself in this position. How did you decide that this was where you wanted to be in your career? You know, it's really interesting. Um, I fell into public health early in my career and worked as a local public health director and then as a a deputy commissioner for public health for many, many years. And when you work in public health, uh, it's about how do you improve the overall health of the population uh, to protect and to promote the health of the public. And one of my early roles, uh, I was very involved with uh, issues that were impacting moms and babies uh, in a local community? Uh, Were they getting, with children getting their immunizations? Were immunization uh, rates up high? Uh, Why were 
uh, more uh, infants dying in this particular uh, city. And so throughout my career, trying to understand uh, what's contributing uh, to uh, infants dying, why we have differences in outcomes, the disparities between certain groups, uh, and how to make uh, it better for moms and babies has been uh, a particular area of interest. And so when the opportunity uh, came to be able to focus on that um, at the March of Dying, uh, then I said, wow, that would be really uh, exciting to do. And I wanted to have that opportunity uh, to do that. Excellent. So your your medical background is in public health. Yes, I'm actually, yeah. Yeah, my... Yeah. Um, I'm trained in preventive medicine uh, in public health and so have worked across a variety of public health issues over my career, everything from trying to um, make improvements in chronic disease issues, diabetes, heart disease, uh, immunizations, environmental health issues, uh, you sort of uh, name it, uh, I've been involved with it because that's what uh, public health does. It cuts across so many issues that impact the health of the public. Yeah, that's exciting. You know, so many people that um, we talk to find their way into this you know, world of maternal child health um, through more, tra- well, I wouldn't say traditional backgrounds, but obstetrics and gynecology, or, you know, in my own case, labor and delivery nursing or midwifery. But it really does take everyone from all different perspectives to bring up the quality of care for mothers and babies. So it's, I'm really excited to talk to somebody with your background. Yeah, yeah it really, it really does. And um, because it's about systems and a lot of times uh, there are the things that we uh, do for our individual patient in that particular clinical care and that clinical intervention. But when you start to peel that onion back, you see that they're often systems challenges or opportunities. What are the policies? There may be programmatic policies. There may be payment policies. There may be provider um, challenges. There may be things that are happening in communities that need to be addressed. And so looking at that entire system um, often is really important uh, to move the needle on a particular uh, issue. And part of that systems looking is looking at data as well. Um, Because that data can really tell you that I may have this overall issue happening in the state, but maybe um, there are pockets of problems in certain parts of the state, and then maybe even down to a zip code area. So if I can address these two or three zip codes, then I can really make an improvement overall uh, in my community and in my state. That's pretty interesting. You can get that specific. That's pretty fascinating. So when you are dealing with the issue of prematurity and children being born with significant health challenges, and you're looking at the data, you know, from a zip code perspective, what are some of the things that you're going to see? Well, I think when you're trying to uh, make an impact in infant mortality, it's important to understand what are those leading Uh, contributors or causes of infant mortality. And from a singular perspective, the leading cause of infant death, a baby who dies before their first year of life, is actually birth defects. So you want to look at, and then the second sort of overall 
leading cause uh, is prematurity. So you want to look at what's really contributing and then what can you do about those particular issues? And so um, that's why a focus on birth defects is really, uh, has been important uh, in our country and continues to be important in our country. How do you feel about the term birth defect? I mean, to me, it has always kind of rubbed me the wrong way because it kind of implies that either the birth or the child is defective. And I just hate both those concepts. It kind of harkens. Uh, back to terms like cervical incompetence and failure to progress. They're really derogatory and judgmental and blamey. Can't we come up with better terms than birth defects? Do you have any? Yeah. You know, that's an interesting um, perspective. I, I uh, can't say that anyone has sort of raised that question with me before, um, but we always want to try to be really sensitive with our language. And so, yeah. um, you know, sometimes it's, uh, we want to, you know, perhaps we can say, you know, individuals that are born with uh, differences. Uh, yeah. But certainly we don't want to try to do anything that may uh, stigmatize uh, uh, individuals. Yeah, I like, I, I don't know, it just always kind of makes me feel bad to use that term. Though I know it is the term in the industry and we can go ahead and use that. I'll say birth challenges or health challenges or okay. birth anomalies. And I know I'm just sort of skirting around the same issue. It's just a thing, you know, uh-huh, it's just a sure. thing. I'm into words. Yeah. So now that we've gotten the semantics out of the way, I want to talk about, you know, the ways that, you know, we've been talking a lot this month about March of Dimes and the um, birth for you, best for you, best for baby campaign. So yeah. I want to talk about the ways that women and families and care providers can help prevent prematurity and infantility and health complications during their pregnancies. And I wonder if you could spell out a little bit what the campaign is about and some of the ways that women take charge. Sure. The Best for You, Best for Baby campaign is really about getting important messages out there about the things that you can do to ensure that you're as healthy as possible, and that's going to help you have uh, hopefully a healthy uh, birth uh, and a birth outcome for your infant, and what are some of those things specifically that you can do that may uh, try to um, reduce your chances of having um, a child with uh, birth anomalies. And so um, that's really what the campaign uh, is about. So things like taking prenatal vitamins and not smoking, and what are some of the specific ways that that this campaign addresses those sure those issues? So first of all, there's some key tips that we want to make sure that uh, people hear about. Um, and overall, the first thing is just trying to make healthy choices. Um, and trying to be as healthy as you can possibly be before, during, and after uh, your pregnancy. And so if you're considering becoming pregnant, it's important to just see your health care provider for a pre-pregnancy checkup um, so that they can take a look at your medicines and understand what you may be taking to see if they may need to uh, change anything. So if you're on certain you know, blood pressure medicines, it may be some that they may want to change uh, depending on, um, uh, you know, what that might be. Um, 
And then we've known for a long time the importance of taking a multivitamin um, with 400 micrograms of folic acid. And this is particularly important before becoming pregnant and during pregnancy because that's been shown uh, to try to prevent um, some defects or some anomalies of the brain and the spine, what we call neural tube defects. And so taking that, it's a B vitamin, it's called folic acid. Uh, you can also get it in green uh, leafy vegetables and black beans and orange juice and uh, foods that have been fortified uh, with folic acid. But that's a really simple but yet important thing, a multivitamin with folic acid. And then there yeah. are things like just um, making sure you, you get your vaccination and making sure that they're up to date uh, because we don't want um, – a mom uh, to get um, hopefully try to prevent the flu and getting a high fever and uh, that can then potentially contribute to some uh, concerns during pregnancy. Uh, reaching that healthy weight and then as you've already mentioned uh, Jeannie the, the issues around not smoking, um, not drinking any alcohol and avoiding harmful substances those are, are really important because those have been known to contribute to preterm birth as well as uh, birth anomalies. You know, so many women, really the first time that they enter the healthcare system is when they become pregnant for the first time. You know, before that, they've been young, healthy women, and they've maybe gone for, you know, a flu shot or, you know, a, a minor illness here and there. And so it's kind of surprising for them to enter the healthcare arena and <clears throat> discover that, oh, you know what, we could improve your breathing a little bit. We could improve your blood pressure a little bit. And if women can do that before they get pregnant, that's excellent. Um, but, you know, we know that about 50% of pregnancies in this country are unplanned. So they come into their pregnancies caught unawares. And that's a time when just a whole lot of stuff happens in their health care. What about women who you know, haven't had that opportunity to start their prenatal vitamins in advance, or, you know, maybe they didn't know that they were going to get pregnant. And they're still smoking. What, what can we tell these women? It's okay. So, um, you're, you're absolutely right. 50% of pregnancies are unplanned. And that's why, if you will, there are products that, you know, certain breads and corn, if they come in and discover that they're pregnant, we want to celebrate that with them. Um, if that's, uh, you know, uh, what, what it is that they're um, excited uh, about. And we want to um, still do those assessments at that point in time. What medicines are you on? Let's go ahead and get you taking those prenatal vitamins and um, with that folic acid right now. Uh, if you have diabetes, we want to evaluate that and make sure it's as well controlled as possible. Um, uh, if there's um, uh, a need to sort of manage the weight, then we want to work with you uh, with a nutritionist to make sure that you're eating as healthy as you can for you and your, your baby. So we don't want to discourage women at that point in time. We want to say, we're here to support you. And we want to try to get you sort of encouraged yeah. that, um, for example, if there are opportunities for you to participate in a, a, a care setting where it's a uh, 
a model of care called group prenatal care. Um, that's where you can get your clinical care and a lot of education with other women that are in similar uh, stages of pregnancy. And it's really a great way to build support and to learn from each other also. And um, so we will encourage that um, as well. I love that model of care, don't you? I think it's I, great. I really do. Um, Group. Yeah. I, yeah. And there are yeah. different, been, different models, uh, you know, different models of group prenatal care. But if you will, a lot of people say that secret sauce is the group and the, the support uh, that they yeah. get and the, the great dose of education uh, uh, through that model. Um, you know, just talking back to your public health uh, expertise. I'm hearing that it is also a really effective model of care for non-pregnant patient populations, like um, group care for diabetics, group care for um, hypertension, group care for you know different diagnoses that people may get. And again, it provides that community. It allows the healthcare team to be able to really dive deep on education. Um, in a group setting, whereas they may not have the time on a one-on-one setting. And I think it's really, it's an encouraging way to do things. It, it is. And, and for pregnant women, you find your mom <laughs> friends. That, that's exactly right. And it also is efficient. And so a lot of times, as we all uh, you know, know, uh, providers uh, are really uh, busy, emergencies come up, and so you may uh, be sitting in a waiting room. And with this, you can kind of plan out all of those sort of visits in advance. Uh, you get there and uh, you're getting some self-skills where you can learn to take your weight and your blood pressure, uh, you get that clinical visit, and then it's a very efficient use of a two-hour to two-and-a-half-hour block of time. And so there's not a lot of downtime, and you can plan ahead, and that helps if you have other children and you need to plan your child care or transportation. So it's also efficient, uh, both for the providers uh, and yeah. uh, the patients. I think it also really encourages women to um, take ownership over their healthcare experience by doing simple things like taking their own weight and blood pressure. You know, before it's always been a thing where that is something that is done by somebody else, and then that information may or may not be given to you. But it's a simple shift of perspective where women are taking care of themselves. And I think that that's important. They're involved. They're engaged. It's theirs. They're they're engaged. That's yeah. right. So March of Dimes does a lot of things. And um, I know that they are a huge presence in families' lives when a baby is born and has challenges. And, um, you know, even no matter what a woman does or doesn't do, babies are born with health challenges sometimes or they're born prematurely. And how do you tell the family what's going on in a way that maintains hope and a sense of value in whatever quality of life their child has? 
Well, I think, you know, it's always important to think about communicating in a way that is as clear as possible. And so March of Dimes has for a long, long time been a, a source of information for families. So we have our website and we have a lot of information that we try to uh, provide for families uh, on that uh, website that they can go to. Um, we have information for healthcare professionals and things that they can also make available in their uh, waiting rooms for families. Um, sometimes we know that um, newborns are born with complications and are born too soon, uh, and they end up in a neonatal intensive care unit. And we have uh, a program called the NICU Family Support Program um, in several NICUs across the country, certainly not in all, we'd love to be in all, um, that provide a lot of education and support uh, uh, for uh, the families uh, in those neonatal intensive care units so that they are best prepared as possible when they bring their newborns home. Uh, we have an app called the My NICU Baby app that people can download uh, with information to support their newborns and the questions that they might have. Uh, and we do, uh, again, uh, awareness kinds of um, uh, campaigns where we're trying to put information uh, out there. Uh, so uh, we like to think that we do a lot to uh, support um, families, uh, to um, support uh, their their newborns and their you know their infants. Yeah. Last week's episode, we talked to two families that had or two women whose babies were born prematurely, um, and and with a variety of complications. And both of them mentioned how helpful March of Dimes was, especially in the NICU setting, um, you know, just providing valuable information. And both of those women talked about being involved in support groups for other families so that they could, you know, help other families see that, you know, there's a community, there's a village of people that are there to support you and kind of show you the ropes, help connect you with, with, uh, support. And I, I think it's really, really valuable. Yeah. So what else do you want listeners to know? Well, I'd really like listeners to know that we have uh, the materials and, and information available uh, for families uh, on our website. Uh, they're available in Spanish also on our Nostrasano uh, website, N-A-C-E-R-S-A-N-O.org. Uh, and we find that a lot of uh, individuals that need information that way access it. So want to make sure that people are, are aware of that. Um, and want to know that uh, the March of Dimes not only provides education, but that we also continue to support research and trying to do uh, support more research that's looking at maybe what might be some of those um, social science type issues that might be contributing to preterm birth beyond just clinical issues. So we're, we're continuing as we have to invest in research. And the March of Dimes does a lot of advocacy, which is really about looking at what are the policies that need to be um, put into place or to, to be sustained um, that support um, 
moms and, and families. And that's a place that many, many people can engage uh, with us. Uh, people come out to our our walks that we have every year called March for Babies, and it's an opportunity to uh, celebrate, um, to uh, embrace um, uh, what we're all doing together for healthy moms and babies. But it's also an opportunity to say, what more can we do together? Uh, how can I help in my local communities, and how do we help move forward uh, policy and systems changes that may need to occur. So uh, we're involved in a lot of things for moms and babies, um, and there's a lot of work to be done, uh, but we know we can't do it alone, and that's why uh, having the opportunity to uh, to talk and to share what we're doing so that others can uh, engage with us is really uh, fantastic. So what are some of the policies that you particularly would like to see passed and what are the systems that you think need to be addressed most strongly? So I think in terms of policies that, uh, as I mentioned, we know that group prenatal care has been shown to have good positive impacts on birth outcomes. And so we want to ensure that there are opportunities for um, that program um, to be adequately reimbursed um, so, um, so that providers will be able to offer that program and that program can be made available to uh, to women uh, all across uh, the country. So enhanced reimbursement for group prenatal care. Uh, we know that um, moms may have the first pregnancy and they may have a second pregnancy or a third pregnancy. So that interconception care period, that period between pregnancies is important. It's important for mom to make sure that she survives, that she has a good outcome, but also for uh, the infant. And so making sure that um, health insurance is available uh, through, uh, particularly through Medicaid, um, all the way up to that one-year postpartum period uh, is important. Uh, we know that there are bad outcomes that happen uh, for women well past the time of delivery, so to make sure that they can actually get in for the kinds of care and services that they need is an important policy issue. Yeah. Uh, in terms of systems, it can be everything from, you know, where are the health care providers located? We have a lot of maternity care deserts, places where there are no obstetric providers in the country. So where are people located? Are there uh, tele health or technology solutions to help ensure that uh, that uh, women can get some of that care uh, that they need that may not be uh, readily available right there? Um, are there uh, transportation barriers in place? So from a systems perspective, uh, do transportation routes need to be changed in order to help um, uh, women be able to get to uh, the places that they need? So Lots of things that we could talk about for a long time. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, uh, some really important things we're working on. And, you know, one thing that many of my listeners may not be aware of is just how large the percent of pregnancies um, are that are covered by Medicaid. And then in many parts of the country, providers are just not accepting Medicaid insurance anymore because it's either a big hassle 
um, to get reimbursed or they don't get reimbursed at an equitable rate for their services. So you add that in and yeah, there might be you know an OBGYN or a family practice doctor around to see them during their, or even a midwife um, to see them during their prenatal and postpartum care. But if they don't take their insurance, then they might as well not be there at all. It's so frustrating. It's something like 48%, yeah, so, isn't it? It is a very large percentage, and particularly in, in some states, you have an even greater um, percentage of uh, uh, women that are pregnant women that are served uh, uh, yeah. by Medicaid. So it's yeah. not just having it available, but also making sure that there's adequate uh, reimbursement. And I think the other thing I'd like to mention is that in terms of um, sort of systems, again, uh, we need uh, to embrace and support uh, various uh, providers. And so um, uh, there are uh, many doulas that are out there. And again, they provide um, a support mechanism uh, for pregnant women, can help be their advocates uh, doing that process uh, to ensure that uh, they're getting uh, heard, um, getting uh, listened to, getting um, the types of you know care and support that they need throughout that entire pregnancy. So um, uh, we need to ensure that we're utilizing uh, all of the experts in our healthcare system. Yeah, I well, let's make sure that our listeners um, know where to find information about March of Dimes, and then I just have a couple of super fast wrap-up questions for you. Okay. So um, we've mentioned, you know, throughout the month of February, the best for you, best for baby campaign, and um, is the best place for listeners to go to learn more March of Dimes. It is uh, to go to marchofdimes.org. Um, and type in birth defects, um, but we want you to, uh, uh, you can use the hashtag best, uh, best for you, best for baby, and that's the number four um, for any um, types of uh, additional information uh, that you're looking uh, for. Um, but there, and go uh, on, go on social media and watch the conversation with that hashtag. There's a lot going on. Yeah, we also are having um, a big Twitter chat on March the 3rd um, that uh, will be a global um, uh, world world birth defects a day, if you will, to sort of raise awareness of this from a global perspective. And so there are going to be a lot of different uh, organization and experts participating in that. And so we certainly would encourage you to uh, Look out for that too, and participate in that conversation. Hashtag World BD Day. Hashtag Many Birth Defects One Voice. That's long, but um, you can find that information on our website as well. And that's one of the most important ways that we move the conversation forward: is social media and okay. having people from all different, you know, angles be engaged in the conversation. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for our rapid fire roundup questions? I am. Okay. The first one is a little bit outside of what we've been talking about, but I like to ask it. What role does feminism play in your life? Oh, that's an important question. Um, 
I think it plays an important role uh, in my life. I think that uh, it's important for us to be strong as women, to be uh, thoughtful, to be comfortable, to make sure our voices um, are heard and respected. And so um, it's an important part of my life. Excellent. How would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. I didn't hear the first part of your question. How would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. No one ever told me that the world would be so complicated, perhaps. (laughs) Um, And that (laughs) yet, given the complexity of the world, that it's sort of like an elephant. You just kind of bite it a little bit at a time, right? And that when you do that and you do it together with people who care and partners who care, that there really are solutions that can make a difference. And so despite the complexity, uh, there's so much that we can do. Yeah. It's not hopeless. It's full of hope and advancement and progress. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My last question then, and you can answer this any way you want. Where are you in the world of motherhood? Where am I in the world of motherhood? Oh, well. Besides um, surrounded by it all the time. (laughs) I am surrounded by it all the time in terms of um, uh, women that have experienced uh, loss um, and uh, still desire to be uh, mothers and need that support uh, and understanding those that uh, have uh, healthy uh, uh, babies and are tired and fatigued and saying and encouraging them that you're going to get through this, uh, those that mm-hmm. uh, have little ones with uh, challenges. So in the world of motherhood, just trying to always be a voice of support and encouragement um, to embrace all of the circumstances and opportunities that we have on a personal basis. I in the world of uh, having been a, or still a mom, but mine are, are grown and it's just a, a real blessing. Um, I certainly have experienced through my own uh, sister um, um, tragic loss that she's had. So I feel like um, I've had personal experiences and professional experiences around motherhood that helped me to uh, hopefully be really understanding and uh, be inspired to continue to do the best that I can do on behalf of all on behalf of all moms and babies in this country. Wow, that's one of the best answers I've ever got. Yeah, you you did great there. <laughs> well, Dr. Waddell, it's time for us to end our conversation for today, but I would love to have you back on the podcast down the road. I feel like you and I just could talk about this stuff for a long time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Janie. And I, uh, I appreciate being with you today and sharing uh, information for your listeners and would be delighted to join you again. Great, great. Okay, we'll talk again. Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, Mama said.
someone will look at me. 